Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. This morning, we're finishing up our series on waiting. We've been talking about seasons that aren't the most enjoyable in our lives. We've been talking about waiting. It's not something that we all look forward to. It's not something that we all um, enjoy going through. It's not something that we all enjoy talking about. But it's something that we all have to go through in this life. We started off this series talking about what seasons of waiting are. And we looked in Ecclesiastes 3 and the Bible says that to everything there is a season. And there is a time. And we understood from the root of, those, of that scripture that the word time told us that there are experiences and opportunities even in our seasons of waiting. And that God has something for us even in our seasons of waiting. And that if we're not careful, we will miss it. Last week we looked at Psalms 23, perhaps the most popular, famous, whatever you want to call it, chapter in the Bible. And we looked at the life of David through this beautiful psalm. And we looked at how David illustrates how we can press into God in a season of waiting, how we can allow him to lie us down and then lead us in seasons of waiting and lead us into paths of righteousness to give us rest. And we looked at our responsibility in seasons of waiting. But as we wrap up this morning, I want to take a look at what God is doing in our seasons of waiting. Because I think so often we look at our seasons of waiting and we think, well, God is waiting on me to get somewhere before he starts moving. We think God has a, an, an ordained spot for me to get to. And if I'll get to that spot, then God will put his hand into action. God has a place that I've got to get to that is the start line, for a lack of a better term, of my next season. We think, if only I can get so far, then God will start moving on my, ha- on my behalf. But I want to I show you this morning that God isn't sitting, waiting on you to do something. That God is working in your waiting. So this morning, I want to take you to Psalm 27, another Psalm of David. And this is a psalm where David is in a season of waiting. David is on the run. David's in trouble. David has a promise to be king, but David is certainly not king at this point. They don't know exactly where David's at in his journey here. There's a couple of different theories from theologians, but David is certainly not in the palace at this point. He's in the wilderness. And in this psalm, David talks about what the Lord is doing in his waiting. While David is waiting on his promise, God is doing specific things for him that are outside of David's control. Things that David cannot do himself. Things that David cannot make happen on his own. God is doing certain things. So let's dive in this morning. Psalm 27, it begins, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Father, we thank you for your word, the authority and the power of your word. Bless it this morning in the ears of your people. Let it be good seed on good ground. Let it produce good fruit for your kingdom. Let it benefit your people and let it produce a hundredfold, Lord, what has been sown in their lives. In Jesus' name. David begins by identifying the Lord as his light and his salvation. His light and his salvation. David would say in another psalm, in Psalm 36, he would call the Lord 
the light that identifies light. He said in Psalm 36, I think it's verse 9, In whom is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. David said, With you is light, and in your light we see light. In other words, David is saying in this psalm, You are my light and my salvation. One of the first things that God will begin to do in a season of waiting is He will bring illumination into a situation. But the illumination isn't just to scare away darkness. The illumination is for distinguishing. Because we need distinguishing in our seasons of waiting. We need distinguishing between where we should go, what we should do, what we should be looking at. Where we should go. Oftentimes in our seasons of waiting, there are multiple paths that are in front of us. And David is saying here, you are my light and my salvation. You are giving me light so that I can identify what is light in front of me and what is dark in front of me. What is, what is good in front of me and what are the things that I should disregard in front of me? What are the things in front of me that I should be giving my attention to? And what are the things in front of me that I should be disregarding? Because there, the enemy will bombard us in seasons of waiting with information. He will provide us extra paths that we can take. How, how often have we found ourselves in seasons of waiting and it feels like we've got extra opportunities to try and work ourselves out of the situation that we're in. And the enemy will begin to bombard us or, or, or we'll try to bombard ourselves with opportunities to get ourselves out of the situation that we found ourselves in, no matter what it may be, finances or a job or whatever it may be. But David said, you are my light. And in that light, I have light to identify what I should be looking at. I'm able to know what I should be paying attention to and what I should be disregarding. And he says, because of that light, I understand whom I shall fear. And the word for fear here is not to be scared of. It's who I should stand in awe of. Who I should stand in awe of. God allows us to stand in awe of Him, thank the Lord, in seasons of waiting. And that doesn't, sound, that doesn't sound awesome on the surface, but what it does is it causes us to disregard the other things around us. Because when we stand in awe of Him, everything else pales in comparison. When we stand in reverence of who He is, everything else fades away. When we set our eyes upon how massive and how incredible and how wonderful and how glorious He is, everything else fades away. When we set our eyes upon how high and lifted up His throne is, how He is exalted above all other gods, all other, all other idols, how there is no one who can be compared unto Him, how His name has been lifted above every other name, then every other name begins to pale in comparison. But it is in His light that it causes us to see Him in that lifted up place. Without His light, we cannot see Him lifted up. We can't see Him exalted until we begin to press in and allow Him, as Psalm 23 told us, until we allow Him to sit us down in the quiet place and then begin to lead us into those paths of righteousness. But when we stand in awe of Him, everything else begins to fade away. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 2, he goes on. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes. 
it is they who stumble and fall. It is they who stumble and fall. In verse 2, David shows us that not only does the Lord work for us in our seasons of waiting, but He begins to work against our adversaries in our seasons of waiting. He is not just working for us. He is working against those who are working against us. He says that it is they who stumble and fall. My adversary and my foes, when the evildoers assail me, to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes. It is they who stumble and fall. The word to stumble here is to, to totter, to feeble, or to make weak. He makes weak the attack of the enemy. He doesn't always stop completely the attack of the enemy. He doesn't always halt the attack of the enemy in the seasons of waiting. He doesn't always devour the camp of the enemy, but he will make weak the camp of the enemy. He will make feeble the camp of the enemy. He will totter the camp of the enemy. Make them wobble in the camp of the enemy. Because he's not just working for us in our seasons of waiting. He is working against those who are working against his. Second Chronicles, I think it's 16.9, says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, searching to bring strong support to those whose hearts are blameless towards him. He's bringing strong support towards his, and that strong support not only comes in helping his, but in hurting those who are against his. He builds us up and brings down the camp of the enemy. But it doesn't always come through destroying them. It says he makes them weak. So it's encouraging, but that doesn't mean that the... I don't want to say attack. That doesn't mean that the situation always goes away. That doesn't mean that the circumstance just disappears and poof is gone. But it means that it is weakened because we are His. It means that we can have hope that because we are His, we are facing a, a less, uh, we are facing a, a decaf version of the battle because we are His. That there, is a, that there is a weakness in the camp of the enemy because we are in His family. Because he has promised to make them stumble and weak and totter. To make them feeble. Because he is working simultaneously for us and against them. To accomplish his purpose in us. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet will I be comforted. David says, though I may be overwhelmed... I will not fear. Same word from verse 1. I will not stand in awe of the armies that surround me. Because I fixed my heart on the only one worthy of awe. I fixed my heart on the only one worthy of reverence. The only one who's worthy to be lifted up. I will only lift up the only one who's worthy to be lifted up. The, only, the enemy only gets lifted up one way in this life. It's when we lift him up. He's been put down and the only way he gets lifted up is when we pick him up. His rightful place is where he's at. His rightful place is where he's at. When we pick him up, he is in a place that he was never ordained to be. Where he was never designed to be. He fell. He was designed to stay fallen. When we pick him up, we put him in a place where he was never meant to be. He was never meant to be elevated. 
When he said, I will ascend. I will make my throne like the Most High. I will become like the Most High. He fell and he was made to stay there. Don't put him back up. Don't elevate him to a place where he's not supposed to be. Leave him where he's at and leave God where he's at. Leave him on the throne and leave him down there. To roam around and put your thoughts up. David said, though an army may encamp around me, though I may be overwhelmed by circumstances, by fears, though, though, the, though the things of this life may try to devour me, I refuse to stand in awe. David said, I don't refuse to recognize it. Bill Johnson in Redding, California says, faith does not refuse to recognize facts. Faith, faith refuses to give facts um, a place of influence. Faith refuses to give facts a place of influence. David said, though I may be surrounded by an army, I refuse to fear. I refuse to stand in awe. He doesn't say I refuse to recognize the army. The army didn't go anywhere. The army is still there. David is still waiting in his season. But he said, I'm still not going to reverence the army. Because there is only one who is worthy of reverence. There's only one who's worthy of my awe. And if I'm fixed here, then my eyes can't be fixed here. If my eyes are here, then they can't be looking at the army around me. Verse 4, David takes a praise break. David says, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in His temple. To dwell is to sit and to abide and to remain, and to gaze is to behold and to perceive and to contemplate. I would, I would submit to you that the whole psalm is based around Psalm 4, Psalm 27.4. That David's ability, David's ability to only reverence God and for the rest of the psalm is because he dwells and he gazes. Sit, abide, and remain is to dwell, and to gaze is to behold, perceive, and contemplate. These words are remaining words. These are not visiting words. These are not words of stopping by. David says... That I will seek after the Lord, that I may dwell, that I may sit, abide, and remain in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That I may behold, perceive, and contemplate the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. David is not talking about dropping in and stopping by once a week on Sunday mornings. Or twice a week, Sunday morning and Wednesday night. And that's great. I'm all for coming to the house of God. I'm all for coming to the house of God. But folks, if we are going to survive the seasons of this life, specifically the seasons of waiting in this life, it's going to take more than three hours of church a week. It's going to take more than three hours of communal worship a week. It's going to take more than 45 minutes of word on Sunday and 30 minutes of word on Wednesday. It's going to take more. David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord and I will gaze at his beauty. And it is because of that, David was able to say, I'm not going to fear the armies. I'm not going to fear anything. I'm going to stand in awe and in reverence of the only one who is worthy. Because I have learned, I have learned to sit and abide and dwell and contemplate on who he is. 
until I get a revelation that He is who He is. Because there are some revelations that you got to sit and wait on. It's enough to know, but sometimes you got to know that you know. It's enough to know, but sometimes you just got to know that you know. Sometimes there are just seasons you got to go back to the prayer closet and say, God, I've known you as the healer before, but I've got to know you that I know that I know that you're the healer again. And sit and wait until he says, I am your healer and leave the closet knowing that he is the healer. Regardless if the doctor's report changes, regardless if the circumstance changes, regardless if people around you change, that you leave there knowing he is the healer. Knowing that he's the provider. Whether the bank account changes in that instant or not. Leaving with a revelation inside of you. That says I gazed at him long enough. That I know in here who he is. That it made a difference in here. It may not have changed out here yet. But it made a difference in here. David got it in here. David got it in here. 15 to 20 years it took David from the time he was anointed by Samuel until he stood in front of the camp of Israel and they anointed him as king. Time and time and time again, he would go back to the fountain inside of him and say, God, I know you promised that I would be king, but man, I'm, I'm in a cave that they call the end of your rope. In a cave they call the end of your rope, it sure doesn't look like I'm king. And time and time again, he would have to dwell until God would say, no. I'm faithful to my promises. And he would get up and say, nope, I got it. He's faithful to his promises. And he would go in that revelation until he needed to go back to the fountain again. He said, he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. The word for hide is to reserve. And to conceal is to guard and to defend and keep close. When we are in seasons of, of waiting, it feels like we're exposed. How many times does it feel like, um, you know, I, I go back to finances so often, I feel like in my examples, but I feel like finances are a battle that we've all been through. I know, I know, you know, in our lives, early on, especially in our marriage, finances, man, it felt like we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, it feels like you're exposed. It feels like you're just wide open. And, and it feels like everybody's, it, feel, it feels like you're wide open for devouring. But God said, but God said what, it, what, what it feels like is not the truth. Because you are being concealed. You are being hidden. You are being sheltered by me. Even in your seasons of waiting. Even when it feels like you are open for devouring. Even when it feels like there is nowhere to hide. Even when it feels like there's nowhere to run. God said, I'm hiding you. I'm covering you. And I'm keeping you in your seasons of waiting. I'm shielding you and I'm sheltering you. I'm watching over you. Even in your seasons of waiting. He says, you will lift me up high upon a rock. Verse 6, and now my head shall be lifted up. Above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make a melody to the Lord. 
says he lifts me up. He brings me to a place that is elevated above the circumstances. He brings me to a place that is elevated above the circumstances. But he doesn't. I think he brings us to a place that's above the circumstances. Not to escape the circumstances. But to give us a perception of the circumstances. So that we can see from his point of view. Because he has made us to see from his point of view. He doesn't elevate us to escape. He doesn't elevate us so we can get out. He doesn't elevate us so we can run away. He elevates us so we can perceive how he perceives. So we can see how he sees. So we can understand how he understands. So we can know what he is doing in a circumstance. So we can see through the lens that he sees. And know what he's doing. And know what he wants to accomplish in a circumstance. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you have been my help. Cast, not, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. The Lord will assemble me and gather me. He will assemble me and gather me. When it feels like life is scattered, when it feels like things are spread out, when it feels like the chips are thrown all over the table, David said, you have gathered me and assembled me and pulled me in together. Verse 11. There's a lot of verses. I'm sorry, I'm hustling. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. A level path because of my enemies. This is interesting. David says a level path. The word for level here is straightness. And the word for enemies here is to twist like a rope. It also speaks of a circle. How many times do we find ourselves in seasons of waiting and it feels like we're going around and around and around in circles? Haven't we passed by here before? Haven't we seen that bush before? Didn't we cross there before? Lord, haven't we been through this way before? I feel like we just went through this. My goodness, we just went past this way before. The enemy wants to keep us moving in circles, in circles, in circles. Because he doesn't want us to head anywhere. He wants us to continually chase around in circles without going any direction in this life. But David said that you will give us a straightness. He said, teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me on a level path or a way of straightness because of my enemies because the enemy has sought to cause me to go around in circles he has twisted me around he has confused me he has caused me to just chase myself around in circles but you Lord teach me to go in a straight way lead me in the path that you've caused me to go the Lord gives us straight paths in our seasons of waiting He's promised to give us straight paths if we'll yield to his teaching. David said, teach me, O Lord, 
Which means there's a way that we can go where he doesn't teach us. There's a way we can go where he doesn't lead us. And when we don't go that way, when we go that way where he doesn't teach us and he doesn't lead us, we will go in circles. And we will chase ourselves around. I've been there. I've been there where it's like, my goodness, I have done this time and time and time again. And I've been doing what I should be doing, I thought. I've been doing all the steps that the experts said. I've been doing what all the, the people of this world said were the right steps to take to get out of this circumstance. And God, it doesn't feel like I'm getting anywhere. And God's saying, because I've got a teaching that will lead you to straight paths. Straight paths that will get you out of this circle. That will break the circle that the enemy has put you in. And will straighten out your paths. And will cause you to go on the paths that I want you to go on. David said, I have to yield to your teaching though. Verse 12, give me not, give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. Will here is just the emotions, the passions, the activity of the mind. David said, give me not up to the desires, essentially, of my adversaries. The desires of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen up against me. And they breathe out violence. Verse 13, I believe, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, I believe I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We put off so many promises of God to an age that can't be seen. We put off so many promises of God to a time that is so far off. We put off so many promises of God to a, a distant time that we can't touch and we can't reach and we can't hold on to. And I don't know if it's because we don't want to hurt our own feelings or what, but we do. And I've been there, and I do it. I still do it today. But we put off so many promises of God. But David said, I believe, in faith, I believe that I will see the goodness of my God here in the land of the living. That the goodness of my God has not been stored up for some age that is yet to come. That the goodness of my God has not been put away in a box and stored up for some city that just has streets of gold. That it is not all packaged up for me waiting when I arrive in glory. Here, you finally made it. Here's the goodness. Thanks for surviving all the hell on earth. The goodness of God is not just for that city. But David said, I will see the goodness of my God in the land of the living. That does not mean, that does not mean that we're all going to be rich and get all the things that we want. But David said that there is goodness for his people here in this life. We cannot avoid the seasons of waiting, but for those who endure the seasons of waiting, who press in to him to find the experiences and the opportunities that he has in those seasons. There is goodness that is stored up. Not for an age that is yet to come. But for here and now. For here and now. For his people. For his people. For his people. A goodness that is stored up for his people here and now. And David ends. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. 
Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This was David's key. This is how David lived his life waiting on God. David lived his life waiting on God. To be strong here is to grow strong, to make strong, to become strong. David, the word isn't saying here, it isn't giving a command, just be strong. Find out a way to to be strong. The word is saying, in your waiting, you will grow strength. In your waiting, you will become strong. In your waiting, your strength will grow. As you, wait on, as you wait on the Lord, your strength and your endurance gets better. We think waiting saps our strength. But God says waiting grows your strength. Waiting grows our strength. Waiting grows our strength. I don't like seasons of waiting. I like seasons of arrival. I like seasons of promise. I'm... I'm a way bigger fan of the promised land than I am of the desert. I don't like being hot. I don't like being hot. But God said that in seasons of waiting, I get stronger. And if I'm getting stronger, then there's a purpose. He's got a purpose for it. And I don't know what the purpose is. But Ecclesiastes said that he's put eternity into my heart. Yet, I don't fully understand the purpose and the plans of that eternity. So, I've just got to yield. And I've got to yield to the fact that if I'm getting stronger in this season of waiting, that there's an arrival that's coming, and that strength is for that arrival. Stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.